Monday, February 6th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hansen, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Morning. Morning. It's a very happy Monday for you, Tim. You're a Giants fan. I am. <laughs> I am, and, and uh, my fandom has been renewed. <laughs> Which is fun. It was a fun game. All right. We're going to talk Super Bowl in a moment. Uh, we will also dig into the full mailbag. We will talk emerging markets. We'll talk about Apple's cash. But let's let's talk about the Super Bowl because I have the number in front of me. $3.5 million for a 30-second spot. Um, before we talk about whether or not companies should be spending that kind of money, were there ads that stood out to you that were particularly good or particularly bad? Tim? Yeah, I liked... Uh Two, it was it was a good year for car companies. Okay, and uh, I think Joe will be happy to know that my favorite ad was the Chevrolet Apocalypse ad. Boom! <laughs> so it's nice. I'm not I'm not sure I feel the same way about the stock that he does, but at least they, they did a clever ad for people who didn't see it. Good good move for yeah, General Motors. Yep, it was a nice homage to some disaster picks, and and they got a little dig in at Ford. Anytime you can do that, I think that's a win. And the other one I liked was the um, Volkswagen ad with the exercising dog who loses all the weight. That was pretty funny. Joe, what about you? Well, I went up to New York for my sister or for my fiance's <laughs> sister's birthday. And I was on a bus during the game, but I got back in the house. I turn on the TV. We literally race in, turn on the TV, and I hear, You're going to be seeing replays of that catch for 50 years. <laughs> and I was like, Oh. It's a good catch. So, like, the only commercial I remember is another one of those trashy GoDaddy commercials. We did an ad here at the Motley Fool. We had our own Super Bowl ad. It ran on Fool.com, but um, that's the other, we didn't pay three and a half million dollars. We didn't. We don't have that kind of. We money. don't have that kind of money to throw around. We we didn't put it on TV. But if you go to Fool.com, you can see our our Super Bowl ad. Let's talk about the money because we talk in this room all the time about the ways that businesses are investing their own capital. As a general matter of principle, three and a half million dollars. For a thirty-second spot, is that? I mean, do you think about that at all when you are looking at an investment? Not necessarily the Super Bowl, but do you look at what does this company do in terms of how they spend their money for marketing, for advertising, that kind of thing? How does that factor into your? Well, I mean, every you know every company is going to have pretty good marketing spend as a percentage of sales. I mean, especially in the consumer-facing, you know, brand-building business, there's really it'd be hard-pressed to think of a better venue than the Super Bowl in terms of just raising awareness of your brand. You know, some of these. Big companies probably don't need to do that anymore, but it's table stakes. If you don't see a Budweiser ad during the game, it's like, man, what happened? You know, that man, that company's changed ever since the Brazilians bought it. <laughs> Where like are that. the Clydesdales? Um, I think, interestingly, more companies are looking to get greater accountability out of that marketing spend. I thought there were a lot of ads that were driving people to Facebook or Twitter. Um, a lot of ads sort of came up with their own new hashtags, I, I guess, hoping people would start tweeting about them. And at least that way you can sort of track what the response was in real time. And that's getting better. And, and that's interesting. Joe, what do you think? I mean, if nothing else, uh, it seems like Facebook and Twitter are getting free advertising or certainly free traffic generation if, with a lot of companies doing that sort of thing. Yeah, well, you know they love that. I mean, I agree with Tim that if you're a national uh, mass consumer brand, that it certainly makes a lot of sense. You're not going to get a better audience than that, and you're not going to get the reverberation of you know YouTube clips played by millions of people, us talking about it, that kind of deal. So there's a lot of payoff for it if you have the money for it. Um, Taking the entire day into the account, the advertising, the football, uh, the halftime show. I, did, I, I didn't see any of it. I didn't see the halftime show. But our producer Matt Greer said Madonna just rocked. She's you know he, he she outperformed my expectations. Well, and and that's what Max said as well. Yeah. That she just you know he there were sort of low expectations going in. And what is she fifty three years old? She's she's totally getting it done. Um, so with the whole scope of the Super Bowl, 
what's one thing you would buy? What's one thing you would sell? It doesn't have to be a business. It's, it's sort of like buy, sell, or hold, like we do on Motley Fool Money. Tim? Uh, let's see. I think I would, I would buy... Um, Buy Indianapolis as a as a host city for future Super Bowls. I thought everybody got got great reviews. The venue looked really good. People really um, seemed to enjoy the walkability of it all, which is something you don't get um, in in most other Super Bowls. In Bowl. Houston, you know, good luck walking from Manhattan to the Meadowlands in a couple yeah. of years, right? <laughs> so, so I would say it looks like Indianapolis might host a few more bowl games, and I think that's that's fun for a relatively smaller city like that. I think that's that's pretty neat. Joe, do you have a buy? Yeah, buy the NFL. <laughs> just an amazing organization that manages to keep like competition in the league on a regular basis. So many teams and cities feel like their team is in it every year and they stay engaged. You look at the other major sports and they're kind of, you know, you're the NBA where you're full of stars that people dislike and you have basically the heat, uh, that kind of deal. And then you look at baseball that's kind of fading, NASCAR struggling. Oh, the LeBron James. Winning back a lot of fans with every hellacious dunk that he throws down this year. <laughs> any sells? Any strong sells out of yesterday? I yeah, mean, I, yeah. I, taking the bus back during the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> bus trips during the Super Bowl. Check. I'd sell. You know, a lot of people are giving Bill Belichick uh, a lot of credit for letting the Giants score in the in the last minute of the game so they could get the ball back in mm-hmm. the hopes of winning it under the theory that they trust their offense more than their defense and the Giants were in a place to kick a field goal anyway. I get the odds of that, but I, I sell giving up free points just because, I don't know, it seems against the spirit of the game. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, the Patriots had bad karma a couple years ago after that, that, that Spygate thing, running up the score on people, and, and I don't know, maybe Bill Belichick should, should care more about karma. All right, let's move on to the Fool mailbag. You can always drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Got an email, and I'm going to I'm gonna mispronounce this guy's name, so I'm just saying that up front. You're setting up Madonna-like expectations. Uh, I, I'm going to meet those <laughs> expectations. Uh, an email from Ashutosh, or Ashutosh. I apologize if you're listening. Uh, he writes... Hi, Chris. I run a brand consultancy out of Bangalore and listen to both Market Foolery and Motley Fool Money regularly. Um, he went on to say some nice things. So it's, it's, it's always nice when we hear from listeners who actually enjoy listening. Uh, but he goes on to write, can we have more about India? I've just heard one mention of HDFC Bank so far. I know India is marginal in your scheme of things, yet I could do with a little more commentary. Tim, you're our international man in the so, room. So, India. Where to start? <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's a fair question. We probably do spend more time talking about certain topics than, than and, others. And certainly more time on Europe, I think, than we do. Than we on. have recently on India. Uh, India, as, as people probably are aware, it's you know w- w- going to be one of the world's largest economies, um, probably top five in, 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 in a major economy in, in a not too distant future. Um, it's got about a billion people, uh, which is a nice big market for consumer for consumer companies. Companies like Coke, Pepsi, Walmart, Carrefour, all kind of chomping at the bit, so to speak, to get into that market. Um, I think the thing that happened in, in 2011 that most disappointed me vis-a-vis India um, was the Congress party going back on sort of this plan to let multi-brand retailers like Walmart and Carrefour and Tesco operate in the country without sort of having to cede all, all control to local um, business owners. You know, it's a globalizing world. I think the economies that are going to grow going forward are going to be the ones that sort of embrace that dynamism, and India has been very reluctant to do so. And I think that, along with infrastructure, are two of the biggest challenges that country faces as, as they think about growing going forward. Do you guys have um, sort of an emerging market play, whether it's in India or, or any other uh, emerging market? 
Well, Ashutosh mentioned uh, HDSC Bank, which is, uh, I think, a really interesting company. Um, one we've talked about in the past. It's a efficient, really efficiently run retail bank in the country. Um, it's great because its you know biggest competitor in the space is the State Bank of India, and. Anytime you can compete with the Indian government and <laughs> in business, you do it. You take the other side of that deal. Um, so that that I think that's a neat one. Um, and then you know I, I would look at infrastructure companies, things like ABB, um, Larson and Tubro in India. Um, you know India needs a lot of that stuff, and so those are obviously things to to look at. And then finally the consumer. Um, it's a billion people. It's a great market if you can crack it. Um, and so I, I, right now, I think a lot of those retailers like Walmart and whatnot are hesitant to move in because of the sort of murky regulatory framework. But those are interesting. Joe? I don't have a whole lot to add on India beyond what <laughs> Tim has, to be well, honest. Well, just you can pick any emerging market for that matter. I know that uh, some of the companies, obviously, that you're. How's uh, GM doing in China? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, they are doing well there. They're one of the, the biggest players, but it's through a joint venture. And so when you look at their financials, even though GM is the biggest car maker there, it's a little misleading when you look at their actual financials because of the joint venture and the profits they make back home. So uh, they produce more cars for China, but they make the bulk of their money in the U.S. Uh, the email continues, you guys seem to discuss a lot of what Apple should do with its cash, uh, we had talked recently about the the, 90, the now ninety seven billion that Apple has in cash. Uh, I've always wondered why no one mentions gaming as a possible foray for Apple, given that they have the devices and content orientation. Can the experts comment on this aspect if your time permits? Our time, our time does permit, and we have I'm, endless time. And it's I a guess, podcast. and you guys are the experts. Uh, what about that? What about Apple um, getting into gaming? Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I think they've already taken a lot of the right steps to profit from gaming, but they don't want to be a developer for it. So instead of developing games, what they've done is they've created the platform for people to buy games and play games on. And in doing so, they collect basically a royalty on each of the games sold through the App Store, right? And once you buy those games, you stay more roped into the Apple ecosystem. So they are really winning in a big way from games, but they aren't doing it by actually designing the games. There are people out there who can do that very well, and by all means, let them scrap for it, and I'm sure that's Apple's mentality, and I think it's a good one. Tim? Yeah, it's a boomer bust sort of cyclical business. You think about, you know, look at Nintendo, which, you know, it's been around a very long time, but it's just been a sort of an endless uh, uh, um, cycle of boom and bust. You know, you had the Super Nintendo, and you had a very dark period of time, and yep. then sort of came back with Game the Wii, Cube. and now what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen next? Nintendo's almost selling for selling for cash at this point because um, people are so skeptical of the company's future. So I think, I, I, I agree with Joe. I think Apple wants to do things that de- you know, cyclicalize, that's not a word, that's that, right. that sort of de-risk the business in a way where they're no longer subject to innovation cycles, yep. which they are with iPhones and iPads. So if you throw video games on top of that, you know, you want to have something that produces steady cash flows to even out your business. I think when you think about buying things to complement what Apple does rather than, you know, buying things that are going to make it even more cyclical. Yeah, and I think one of the lasting impressions, one of the many that Jobs had on Apple is that he really focused the company on a few things that they do really well. And gaming is a pretty big departure from that, even though they're so good at software, that's really, you know, a whole nother ballpark and 
you know, why bother getting into that when you can charge other people to play on your platform? All right, Tim Hansen, Joe Maker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, sure. Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. 